Well, amen. If you're glad you're here, say praise the Lord. I want to apologize. I, we haven't put the bulletins in print yet, and so obviously some of us knew, knew one part of the order and some others didn't know. But anyway, we made it, didn't we? Your Bibles are open to um, John chapter 11, and we'll take one Sunday off um, from um, the book of Revelation. We'll take two uh, today and, and uh, Resurrection Sunday. You know, today is no, known as Palm Sunday. Robbie read one of the passages that deal with that when Jesus is, enters Jerusalem uh, amongst the celebration of the Jewish people and... Uh, laying palms before his path and, you know, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then it's the same group of people that called for Jesus to be crucified just a few days, a few days later. Uh, John chapter 11 is really the narrative about the miracle of Lazarus being resurrected from the dead. I'll get into why and how this is so significant when we come in to celebrate the Easter, uh, the significance of this in John's gospel. Before I do that, let me mention a couple of things. Church life, uh, uh, activities in, in, in the life of the church make mention of. Um, one thing we're doing a little different this year, and uh, we're going to have a good, a good Friday service. And uh, by the way, another note, next this coming Wednesday, Bible study will be in the fellowship hall. You know, we have supper at 530, snack supper. And then we have studies at six, all age groups. But the adults will stay in the fellowship hall because the choir, the adult choir will be in the sanctuary practicing on Wednesday night. That's number one announcement. Number two, and I'll be honest with you, it's not, I'm kind of sad that we've never done this, but I've been here 22 years. This may be my 23rd Easter, I'm not sure, but uh, here. But we're going to do a Good Friday service. And we're going to do a prayer time and the Lord's Supper. We're all going to do this in, in the fellowship hall. And it will be on Good Friday at 6 p.m. So if you'd like to join us on Friday afternoon, Friday evening for a prayer. And we're going to be going through the book of Acts, looking at the prayers of the apostles and seeing what God did in response to their praying. And then we're going to observe the elements of the Lord's Supper. Uh, so that'll be Friday. Saturday... Uh, we're having an Easter egg hunt. I believe it's at 10 a.m., am I right? Somebody that knows anything about that? 10 a.m., thank you. So Saturday morning, uh, we'll be having an Easter egg hunt uh, somewhere here, uh, back off the building in the back. So bring your children, grandchildren, have a great time. Sunday, Easter Sunday, sunrise service is at 6.15. And then following the sunrise service, uh, we have breakfast, and uh, so 6.15, breakfast will be right after that, about 9 o'clock. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 6.15, you know, breakfast will be around, you know, 6.45. But anyway, so we want you to come. Um, we were talking a while ago, I was talking to a couple of my deacons, and I'll be honest, I can't even remember if we did a, a sunrise service last year. I, I, I mean, COVID had hit, did we? Did we do one last year? I don't even know. You could tell me we had two of them, and I wouldn't remember, so... So anyway, it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. God's good, isn't he? Isn't it great? <clears throat> well, with your Bibles open to, uh, to John chapter 11, 
And really what I want to do with you and <clears throat> for you this morning is, uh, is walk through almost the entire portion of Scripture that John 11 records. <clears throat> and this is about obviously Mary and Martha and, and Jesus uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. Now let me tell you the significance of this. <clears throat> Number one is that we're only, we're only a few days removed from the events that Robbie just read, what today is known for is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, right? So Jesus entered Jerusalem on a Sunday, a triumphal entry uh, under celebration and worship and, and excitement, and then just a few days later, the same crowd's calling for him to be crucified. But, but maybe 10 days before that, maybe less than 10 days, even maybe less than a week, the events of uh, John 11 take place. Now, this happens in a town called Bethany. Now, I haven't set foot in Bethany, but I've been real close to Bethany. I I'm being serious now. I'm not joking. So I have been there. And Bethany is located two miles from Jerusalem. And if you ever go to Israel, if you've been to Israel, and if you've been on the Mount of Olives, you are closer Obviously, it's in the direction east from Jerusalem. And Bethany was a, was a regular stopover for Jesus. And probably, even though the Bible doesn't record this, there were pro probably dozens and dozens of times that Jesus made the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha the place that he stayed when he was near Jerusalem and was spending the night. This is the city of, of Bethany. If you were to leave Jericho, if you were to leave Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, and you were to make your way, which the Jews did, you know, to celebrate the feast, when they would make their way to Jerusalem, they had passed through Jericho, down through, and they'd come through Bethany. It was on the main thoroughfare. If you lived in Galilee and you were headed to the temple, you would pass by the city of Bethany. This is where the crowds went. This is like there was a four-lane highway, and it ran right past Bethany. It was a very popular place. So when this miracle takes place, scholars believe people were already making their way down to Jerusalem for the, for the celebration of Passover. Because people would come from all over the nation and make their way to Jerusalem to celebrate uh, Passover. And then many of them would stay for the Feast of Pentecost, which would be, you know, 50 days later. And, and if they were traveling, they were going to come by Bethany. And if they came by Bethany, they would hear from somebody that some miracle had taken place. And by the way, this miracle, think of Jesus resurrecting Lazarus from the tomb. You've got to think, let's just say thousands of people. Let's just say 10,000 people heard about Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the grave. By the way, how many days was Lazarus in the tomb? I'll give you a hint. Four. By the way, uh, they have found, and I'm not saying this is true, but in an archaeological dig, I read this uh, several years ago in some magazine, uh, they found in an archaeological dig, they found some kind of writing on some kind of papyrus that said, and it, and it said, Lazarus, four days dead. And many think that that was maybe the Lazarus, that this would be the only Lazarus I know of that was four days dead. Whether it was genuine or not, but it is an interesting thing to think about. To be able to know that you could write your name down and say, you know, my name is Lazarus, and then put under it four days dead, you know exactly which Lazarus you're talking about. 
But anyway, so this, this was a very popular city. So people were on their way to Jerusalem, probably for Passover. So when this miracle happened, this is why this miracle really forced the Jews to do something about Jesus Christ because the apex of his popularity took place at the event that we read about, the Palm Sunday. Because Lazarus had been resurrected from the dead and, and the, the rumor mill and the testimonies about that were just all over the place, it really forced the Jewish leaders to do something about the Lord Jesus. And that's why you know they made the arrangement and, and, and had Jesus betrayed and then uh, had him crucified. So anyway, your Bible's open to John chapter 11, and, and I'm going to begin reading, obviously, at verse 1. John chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. And by the way, just to let you know, Jesus had been in Bethany, and he had left and gone to gone off because of some persecution. He had left Bethany. And so you're going to find out in a minute. He had been in their home and then he left and did some ministry several miles away on the other side of the Jordan. And it was during that time that Lazarus fell ill and died. We'll see what the sisters say about that in just a second. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, <clears throat> the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped her feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters so sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So Jesus makes this statement that this, this illness is not to death and it's for the glory of God. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. If you're, a, if you're an in-depth Bible student, <clears throat> the word love there, as John is noting Jesus' love for this family, it is the word agape, which is the the biblical word for the highest form of love that humans can know. Uh, it's the Greek word, and you've heard this word before. It's the agape love. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, so he loved him, okay? And he hears that he's ill. He's about a day's journey, by the way, away from Bethany. So he hears that he's ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Now, one of the, if you've ever been to a funeral that I've done, 
for a saint, you will remember that I use this phrase of falling asleep a lot. I mention that at a lot of funerals because it's significant that the New Testament describes believers who, who physically die as being asleep. This was, obviously, this is what Jesus really is referring to. He says, Lazarus has fallen asleep. And what Jesus was saying was, Lazarus is dead. But let me remind you why Jesus and why the New Testament apostles describe believers when they die as being asleep. Now, I want you to think about that just for a second. Why would the Bible refer, as Jesus does to Lazarus, why would the New Testament refer to a believer who dies, who physically dies? How and why does the Bible refer to them as being asleep? As a matter of fact, Paul says asleep in Jesus. I like that. That we have fallen asleep. Why does the Bible do that? For several reasons. Number one, can you ask you, is, is a death, if, is the physical death of a believer permanent? Is it for eternity? You can answer that. What's the answer? No. So one of the reasons why it's, it's accurate to say when a believer dies, they have fallen asleep in Jesus. And one, one biblical truth that affirms that is one day, that body that's in that grave is going to come out, right? Right? Shake your head like this. I'm right. Because the Bible says, for the dead in Christ will rise first, right? So, 1 Thessalonians 4, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those of us who are alive and remain will be called to make the Lord in the air. So that body that goes in the grave is not there permanently. Now, I know for you and I, we, you know, since Jesus has died on the cross, it's been 2,000 years. And so for 2,000 years, there's been saints that have believed in Christ, were born again and saved. When they died, absent in the body is present with the Lord. But for 2,000 years, their body and now their bones have been in the grave. So for 2,000 years, it would seem as if they're still asleep. Well, that's what the Bible says. That This is why the Bible argues that uh, a thousand years to man is like a day to God. So when we're looking at things like that, it just has only been a couple of days when you're comparing this to eternity, that those saints who died in the first century have been placed in a tomb. But one day, just as Christ promised, those graves are going to open and those saints are going to walk around. So this is why you and I can talk about when believers die, that really they're asleep in Jesus. Because one day, there's going to be a physical resurrection. That's why we're going to celebrate this next Sunday. Literally, Jesus is the first fruits. And everything that happened to Christ is going to happen to us. Jesus conquered the tomb. Jesus conquered death. And if I'm in Christ, one day physically I'm going to be resurrected from the dead and spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, that is why we celebrate the resurrection, the promise of life after death. But it's not just some mystical thing. You know, we're not going to be floating around on clouds with harps and stuff like that. It's a literal, physical kingdom that we're going to be a part of. So you hold your finger here in John chapter 11 and go back to Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> 
I apologize for my voice, but this is just life for me now. But Luke chapter 10, <clears throat> and I want to show you the first time we see a reference to Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha in the New Testament. This would be in, in uh, Luke chapter 10. And look at verse, uh, verse 38. Many of you will probably probably familiar with this passage. It says, uh, Luke 10, <clears throat> verse 38. This kind of gives you another insight into Mary and Martha uh, as we're reading John, John 11. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, just a side note. I mean, this is what scholars say, that more than likely they were fairly wealthy. Um, so Martha and Mary and Lazarus lived together, brothers and sisters. And church history tells us, you know, they had, they had means. And not only did Jesus stay with them, but there's... There's good proof in church history that they supported his ministry financially. It says, and, and she had a sister called Mary. And look what it says. You looking at your Bibles? By the way, every time you see Mary, this is what she's doing. Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. You'll see this is going to be true in just a moment. She's going to be at the feet of Jesus. So she had a sister, Martha had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now you can see the two personalities here, even though it's just a few verses. Look at the Bible. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. So obviously Jesus was there. Probably all the disciples had come with him. And they've all come to her house. And Martha is a type A personality and she's high strung and she wants all the casseroles in one area and she wants the 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 I can't say ham because they're Jews she wanted the the roasted birds and she wanted she was very particular about how she wanted to host this meal with the disciples and Jesus and look what look what she says so she had a sister Mary and who was at the Lord's feet but Martha was distracted with much serving. Folks, this is human nature. There's a great lesson to learn here. And she went to him. Who, who did she, who's, who'd she go to? She went to Jesus. Look, she scolds Jesus. Look what she says. But Martha was distracted with much serving. You can imagine what's going on in that house. Just going, and there's her sister sitting. You might, she's about to lose her mind. I imagine there's a good fuss when everything was said and done. She is out of her mind. I mean, some of you ladies would kind of get offended. You'd run around trying to get all the casseroles ready, and there's biscuits burning in the oven, and there's Aunt Joe sitting over there, uh, sitting watching the, the soap operas, and you're just about to lose your mind. You've been there. Y'all been there. You know, we all have relatives. They show up and act like they're going to do something, but they go sit down or they get lost until all the work is done. I don't know. That's just the way it is. But now I never talk about my relatives behind their back, you know. But anyway, here we go. It says, she says to Jesus, she says, Lord, 
So she went up to Jesus and said, she didn't go to her sister. I'm sure she had given her some dirty looks, walked past her, you know. But she says, she says, um, Lord, do you not care that my sister, I used to get sister, I used to call, I say my sister, if I said my sister, we were fussing. Do you know about my sister? Anyway, do you know that my sister has left me to serve alone? So she goes, then she says, tell her then to help me. Now, this is a pretty short passage of Scripture. And I'm sure Luke could have said more. But from what I'm reading, Martha tells Jesus what to do. She tells Jesus to tell Mary to get up and help her. And look what Jesus says. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You know when they repeat your name, it's not going to be good. Of course, that's, my parents used my full name, including my last name. They would say, well, I'm not going to tell you my first name. But they would say it. And if they said my full name, well, so he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Now think about what Jesus is saying. It is great to have the gift of hospitality. It is awesome to have a fellowship meal. It is awesome to serve people a meal in your home and, and, and welcome them. All of that is wonderful. But if you lose sight of the importance of God's Word, you've lost the main reason of gathering together. That's still true. That's still true. We can gather together and do a lot of great things, but if we're not looking at the Lord Jesus and His Word, we have failed the test. Look what Jesus says. Martha, Martha, you, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her because she's listening to the words of eternal life. And she's, she's listening to the word uh, that became flesh. She's listening to the word of God. Go back to John chapter 11. You're going to see some of this same personality in just a minute. So Jesus talks about the 12 hours of the day, verse 11. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awake him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. What are they concerned about? Well, because they, they threatened his life when Christ was there just a few days ago. They don't want to go back. They, they're afraid Jesus will die, you know, will be, will be killed. And so they're saying, well, if he's just sick, he'll get better. We don't have to go. Uh, now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, 
Now listen to what Thomas says. This tells you how, how stressful it was and how much persecution had taken place the last few days ago when they were in, in Bethany. Thomas says, let us also go that we may die with him. So Thomas in his mind is thinking, if we go back near Jerusalem, two miles outside the city, it is possible that Jesus is going to be going to be killed. And so Thomas makes this prophetic statement, well, let's go and, and so that we, we might die with him. Notice Jesus said, I'm glad, basically he says, I'm glad that Lazarus has died so that you can believe. He says it's to your benefit so that you can believe. Because let me ask you something. And it is true, we're going to read the rest of the narrative in a minute, but if Jesus had been there, if Jesus had stayed in Bethany, normally, if you're looking at the life of Christ and His power, and if Lazarus had gotten sick when Jesus was there, of course now Jesus knows all. I mean, He's, he's orchestrating everything. I mean, He's in control, not the world. But if we were looking at it as if just life was going on, if Jesus had been there when Lazarus was sick, what's the one thing everybody knew Jesus could do? Heal the sick, right? So Martha and Mary know that. All the disciples know that. But Jesus says it's really to your benefit that I was not there. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is going to resurrect a man from the grave? And then just a few days, week or so later, Jesus himself is going to be brought back from the dead by the Father. Isn't this interesting? And it sets the tone for what's going to happen to him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been had already been in the tomb for four days. I had planned to read the, medis the medical uh, description of what happens. They didn't embalm, by the way, and, and they, they buried as soon as they could. And obviously the reason is pretty obvious. If they didn't embalm and do any kind of prep like that, the only thing they did do, and you all know this from knowing the, the, the death of Christ on the cross, they would put perfumes and oils, things on the outside of the body. They would wrap it, you know, in a shroud. And then inside that shroud would be all kind of perfumes and fragrant things. And they did that. You can answer this. Why did they do that? Because what was going to happen when that body started decaying? It stinks. Martha remembers that. So they would, so immediately when somebody died, they were going to get the they were going to put it in the they were going to put it in the tomb. And by the way, most of the burials were not down on the ground; they were in the caves. Okay, but I mean, when somebody died by day one, maybe the next day they were buried. And so, you know, people didn't live seven hundred miles away. Everybody in the family lived in the same. You know, it just was different. And so. Everybody would come, and, and so they would bury the, bury the person. So they had, Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Uh, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Now, now it doesn't say this, but she finds out he's coming before he gets all the way to Bethany. Now, I'm going to just give you just something. This is, I mean, this is just fun facts to learn and enjoy to think about. 
But it makes me wonder if the person they sent to tell Jesus Lazarus was sick, if that guy had not stayed until Jesus headed that way, and as they got closer, four days later, when they got close enough, he went on way ahead to let them know, you know, Jesus is a half a mile away. You know, just something to think about. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, that to me is not quite as abrupt as the other thing was in Luke 10. But that's still pretty bold. I mean, she's, if you'd have been here, if you'd have stayed, really. Because, you know, they, they were left. And it's during this time they left, whether it's a week, few days, they you know went across the Jordan. Anyway, when they left, he got sick and died. And so, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I want you to listen to her theology. Are you watching your Bible? Okay. But even now, now this is Martha. But even, this lets me know that Jesus had been in their house quite a bit. Because she knows a lot of theology. But even now, as an Old Testament saint, okay, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now see, she believes in the power of God the Father, of Yahweh, but she hasn't been convinced that Jesus has all that same power. The Father can do it, but she's not sure Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Let's move on. I know whatever that you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, and she has some pretty good eschatology. Look at what she says. Martha said to Jesus, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Uh, this comes from Daniel 12.2. You can read Daniel 12.2 and it talks about the resurrection of the righteous. So she knows. She also knows what Job 19 said. This is a great, probably the oldest writings of the Old Testament, Job, the book of Job. Job says, you know, that, that this my, my dead body will rise from the grave and I will see my Lord. Job understood that. That there would be a physical, with my body, with my dead body, it will rise and I will see my Lord. So Job believed in her. So she believed this. She understood some of the Old Testament passages that talked about the rest. So she says, I know that he will rise in the resurrection of the last day. But what's the one thing she did not believe at that moment? She didn't believe that he would live then. Jesus said to her, I am. Now, folks, this is very important. By the way, the book of John is known as the book of belief, okay? Uh, believe or believes, uh, plural. I think about 60 times those, it appears in, in the New Testament and the book of John. So it is, it is a book about believing, uh, which is a synonym of faith, but it's about believing. So he says, he says, Jesus said to her, to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. 
And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And, and then here's the life's ultimate question. Everybody has to answer this. Do you believe this? Everybody here has to One day you're going to answer that question. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you hear what he just said? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And this way he says, though a person will die physical death, yet he will do what? He'll live. I'm the resurrection and life. Though he die, yet he'll live. And then he says to Martha, do you believe this? He says to me and you, do you believe this? Folks, you can't be saved unless you believe this. That Jesus is the resurrection to life. This is part of the redemptive work of Christ is to conquer the power of the grave. The fear of death that the devil uses, the Bible tells us that. The last enemy that's going to be defeated is death. It's an enemy. God made Adam. He made him originally eternal. Sin entered, you know, and so death by sin. But God made us originally to live eternally. And so it's an invasion. It's, a, it's an enemy is what the Bible says. And now there's this massive fear of death. And if you don't know Christ, you should fear death. Because what happens to the sinner who's never been forgiven and who's never been born again? What happens to the sinner? Well, he pays for his own sins. And it's eternal separation in hell from a holy God forever. But Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Let me tell you something else about this resurrection. See, it's a spiritual resurrection, not only just a physical. The physical resurrection is going to happen in the future. When one day all of our bodies, as those of us who believe, are going to come out of the tombs. But the moment you meet Him, you pass from death to life. The Bible says that everybody in here were or you still are dead in sin. And that by faith in Christ, by believing, you're given life. You're, you're resurrected from spiritual death and given, and given eternal life. Uh, one of my favorite Bible verses is found in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, just as we have borne the image of the first Adam, who's the man of dust. All of us in this physical world, we all bear the image of the first Adam. But then he says that we'll also bear the image of the heavenly Adam, of the second Adam, or the Bible says the last Adam. So we bear the image of the first Adam. Yes, we do. We get old and die. But because we believe in Christ, we will also bear the image of the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this resurrection, it, it, it does promise me a physical resurrection. But when I got saved and you got saved, it, it gave me a resurrection in my soul. I was dead in sin and I was made alive in Christ. And you know this is where the Bible says we're in Christ and Christ is in us. We actually take His life and His life is infused in us by the whole work of the Holy Spirit. And this is why the believers, the rest of our lives, we live pursuing the life of Christ. It's, a, it's, a, it's hard. It's, 
it's a simple plan, but it's a difficult thing to live, to live in a wicked world for Christ. Let me read a couple more verses, and uh, we'll dismiss. It says, she said, so she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. And this is pretty profound now. I mean, this is, this is great theology. Christology, I mean, she knew who he was. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. The word Christ is the word for Messiah, the anointed one. She's saying, I believe you are the anointed Son of God. That's what she says. The Son of God who is coming into the world. I believe you're him. So she had good eschatology. She had great Christology. She knew who he was. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose. Now we're talking about Mary. She rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus has not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, now this is four days, and I'll be, I know I'm over time, I'm aware of that, but the Jews, they would spend at least a week with mourning. So they would already have buried the body, and, and then all, like we do, we go and, and have a visitation and we visit with the family. Their visitation lasted a week. And, and not only did all your friends, this is why you had to have food. People would have to bring food because these people would stay at your house or around your house. So all these, all these people were going to mourn with you and sympathize with you. They would come. It lasted a week. Here is four days in. They've been more, and of course they had, not only did they have friends, but there were also women who were known as professional mourners. I know I'm giving you a lot of history, but they were professional mourners. And, and what they would do is they would stay in the house with the family and then they would wail. They would just wail, scream. And, and just so, I guess it was a, supposedly it was a sign of the, you know, how great the grief was for the family. But they were professional mourners. So you're four days into the morning. And so Mary gets up. So they're thinking, well, Mary's being overcome with grief. Maybe she's going to run back to the tomb and just cry at the tombs. That's kind of the scene. It says, so, so when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. And, and now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, you reckon where she heard this? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I wonder where she heard that from her sister. Oh, Martha, okay. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, here he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. I love the ESV here. I mean, some of your translations are not really good enough when it's describing the emotions of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our great high priest. Uh, Hebrews 4 says, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are. 
So everything that you and I experience as a, as a person, as a human, in this world, even emotions, Jesus identifies with that grief. That's what Jesus is doing here. And the, the language, just to let you know, the language, it's saying that Jesus allowed this, he allowed himself to be this way. He's God in human form. You know, he could have put up a wall. But if he's going to be our great high priest, he has to identify with us, right? If he's going to be our substitute and he's going to meet our needs, this is what Christ had to do. Y'all hang in there with me. I'll be through in two minutes. So, so Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews, who, you know, so, so he says he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Uh, there's even the, the idea of, of uh, frustration. I mean, there is, there's, there's mourning, but there's also frustration in those words. And he said, where have you laid him? As if Jesus didn't know. And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then here's our memory verse today. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. That was the easiest one, wasn't it? Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now, folks, let me, let me just stop here. We'll have to stop. I'm way out over. I know I am. There are, there are hundreds of mourners. Hundreds. There are family members. There are next-door neighbors, so to speak. There are community leaders. For four days, people had been with them, mourning with them, showing their concern and their love for Mary and Martha, uh, demonstrating mercy and grace and love and being a part of their lives. You had the professional mourners that would do their screaming and hollering. You had all of that going on, and then you have Jesus speaking a word or two, and when people see His response, when they watch Jesus' response to Mary and Martha, into the context of where they are, they're able to say, see how much he loved him. Folks, if you and I could comprehend what it was for Jesus Christ to leave the throne of heaven, to come into this world and live as a Jewish peasant, to live for 33 years as a Jewish peasant, to go into public ministry for three years and to be rejected by the world and to be hung on a cross, you would be able to say, oh, how much he loved me. Do you understand the significance in that? In the context of all the people that had done anything, they noted that Jesus loved him. Well, I want you to know today, Christ loves you. This is why when the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave us, this is it. This is why Christ came into the world. He came into the world to save sinners from death, from hell, and from the power of the grave. This same Jesus that's fixing to resurrect Lazarus from the tomb can spiritually give you life today. I want you to know that. So Jesus says to Martha, He says to me, and He says to you, I am the resurrection and the life. Though a man die, yet he will live. And then the final question to me and you is, do we believe that? Do you believe it? Let's pray.
Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Um, Father, thank you for the power of the resurrection. Father, thank you for the power that Christ demonstrated in calling forth Lazarus. And Father, it reminds us that everybody in this room, Jesus has called by name. Lord, we didn't get saved in groups. We didn't get saved because we were part of a family. We got saved because the Lord Jesus Christ called us by name to be saved. Father, thank you that knowing Christ, the Bible says we've passed from death to life. We've been brought out of darkness into the marvelous light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that my Lord and Savior is the resurrection and the life. Now, Father, as we depart here today and we think of the witness of the baptismal waters, the, the beauty of someone coming to Christ by faith and then demonstrating that publicly to the church, we rejoice. And Father, now because Christ has died for our sins and is resurrected from the dead, Father, we have a living Savior, so we go out into the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the work of the church. In Christ's name, amen.